0: This is Five and Nine. Welcome to Season Four, Episode Four. Hi,
1: everyone. This is Anna AX Mina, producer at Five and Nine.
2: Hi, I'm Nur Bataine, and I'm the co founder of One of Many Studio. I am Britt Sam, and I am also the co-founder of one of many studio.
1: You're listening to a Bedouin coffee ceremony by our host, Ali. He's just poured out the beans and is roasting them over an open flame. He explains that the ceremony is done for weddings and important agreements. I'd never attended a coffee ceremony before. Tea ceremonies, yes, but coffee for me always meant work. Years ago, during a particularly stressful time in my life, I got addicted to coffee. I pounded multiple mugs a day to stay awake and productive for long hours at a time, and one day while driving, my heart began palpitating and my hands trembled. By the time I decided to quit, I spent multiple days vomiting. In Wadi Rum, I encountered many magical uses for coffee. One of them is this coffee ceremony. You'll hear a little bit about it in this special mini about this little bean that sits right at the intersection of work, of magic, and of economic justice.
0: before times before covid i was a huge coffee drinker like would crush 3 to 4 cups a day very easily i also worked in production which is a really high intensity space and that's just what you do you're on site or on set for like 12 plus hours a day coffee is the way you get through it it's like sometimes the only light at the end of the tunnel like oh at least i get to drink coffee if i have to be awake for like 5 more hours mm-hmm. and on my feet and then a few years ago actually I started just feeling really sick whenever I would drink it, but there are still days when I have pounding headaches and I know it's because I haven't drank coffee or had any like major caffeine rush. So that's been my personal experience and I still miss it. I think beyond my personal experience, I also think of the two cultures I come from and how coffee is related to in those cultures. My mom is from Laos. My dad is from Vietnam. In Vietnamese culture, coffee is a huge thing. Vietnam is the second largest coffee producer in the world behind Brazil. It's such a cultural keystone to go to a coffee shop with friends and spend hours there drinking coffee and tea and just talking. Ana, you mentioned there's this like really capitalistic viewpoint around coffee of this thing that you use to work harder and do more. But growing up in my understanding, it was always this thing that you gather around to actually slow down mm. and chat. Mm. So I think there's a lot of stories that we can tell if we follow coffee through the world.
1: It is a deterministic story that coffee because it's So loaded with caffeine, it makes us work harder, makes us focus. And that's true. But it doesn't have to be that way. And Brett, the stories you're telling suggest that it's not the coffee that is leading to this orientation around work. It's our orientation around work that leads us to this relationship with coffee.
2: I love coffee. I love starting my day with coffee and making coffee. I grew up drinking coffee, of course, and cardamom coffee is one of my favorites. And there are so many rituals and traditions around coffee, whether it's at funerals or weddings or any kind of gathering of a community. There is always coffee and tea, but I have experienced more the ceremonial aspects of coffee growing up and it's been ingrained in me. <laughs> as an extension of in some ways myself like i can't imagine myself not drinking coffee i for uh, medical reasons i was advised to Get of coffee. I tried it for a month and two, and it, it didn't work for me, and it didn't feel good. So I I reduced my consumption. Like I would drink up to three cups a day, and now I just do one, maybe one point five. One of my favorite smells is is the smell of coffee. And then if you recall the the coffee ceremony in Wadi Ali, the rhythmic element, all the music, and the the folkloric elements of the grinding of the coffee and the rhythm and sound to it is also something that always I was fascinated by and curious. I think it's the same role that coffee plays in so many ancient cultures all around the world. And there are like ceremonial elements to coffee that are part of weddings and funerals and just gatherings of community.
0: I really loved what you were saying, Nora, around the musicality of the coffee ceremony. And as people listen to this episode, they'll get to hear a little bits of it. But I also loved in the desert when you were sharing about how like when the coffee is ground or pounded, you can hear it across the way and it's sort of like a signal to come for coffee at
2: so-and-so's camp. Growing up when we would go to the north where my family had olive have olive trees and whenever the family gathers, there's coffee that's being made and the smell is there and there's also bread and you can always smell those two things and then the brass that I don't know actually what their names are in in English, but they're the things that they kind of grind the coffee in that make all this, the the noises that we heard, Ali do as well he spoke to us most of of the rituals around how certain members of their families would not compete but in some ways take pride of how loud their dings were when they would grind the coffee as an kind of invitation to say like our home is open and it's it's really rooted in generosity it's like when you want to honor someone you want to make them a feast or you want to you know what I mean the coffee is the first step to that and like really showing respect and honor to a guest and to friend too if that makes sense.
1: After roasting the coffee, Ali begins to grind it with a brass mortar and pestle. He dings the brass. He adds some cardamom. And with a few more dings, he lets us know the coffee is ready. Salute to the guests. May God bless. May God bless. Welcome, welcome. We get the English word coffee from the Arabic kawa. The connection of cafes and intellectual debate started around the time of the Enlightenment period in the 17th and 18th centuries. European society began consuming coffee en masse and gathering in coffee houses to share ideas, and one of those ideas was the separation of humans from nature, laying the groundwork for a mechanistic and extractive relationship to the earth that continues to today. During this period, we also saw the dawn of Western colonialism.
0: I can share a little bit about what I know based on where I come from and my limited research. And by no means am I an expert in the history of coffee. (laughs) I do know that coffee was introduced to Vietnam through colonization in the mid-1800s. After the war, there was obviously a need to get the economy going again. And coffee was one of the things that the government decided to invest in. And so the late nineteen hundreds is when you start to see coffee production in Vietnam pick up, and now it's the second largest producer in the world and Anna, you mentioned that you'd never really considered oh why, why do I just assume that coffee is like this thing for Productivity. It just reminds me actually of this podcast that I shared with both of you about the invention of hydration and how water was essentially packaged and sold to us Mm -hmm. through marketing and like selling quote unquote science to tell us that we needed this thing.
1: That podcast is The Invention of Hydration by Slate's Decoder Ring. And we have a link to it in the show notes.
2: Yeah, I wanted to name Yemen as. Uh, one of the birthplaces of coffee in the world, in addition to Ethiopia, both in the Rift Valley. And the story of coffee. You you don't need to be an expert to know that the exploitation and the way that coffee travelled around the world is true to the legacy of colonialism that's very alive and present in so much of agriculture and beyond. I found it interesting that, for example, Brazil is the current largest exporter of coffee in the world, uh, and then Vietnam as was sharing. And it actually, it's not native. One thing that was not surprising to uncover is that the coffee industry in the world in the moment apparently is worth $200 billion. It's projected to continue to rise up until 2025, yet uh, less than 10% of that wealth stays in producing countries. In some of my uh, speculative foresight work in imagining and world building and uh, the year 2032. For a previous project of mine, we actually created a scenario where coffee becomes a very expensive commodity. We spoke to some food futurists and climate scientists that project that between like 2030 and 2050, we will experience dramatic. Changes in the way that we experience both coffee and wheat. The Rift Valley today was the hub and the heart of both wheat and coffee, and that's definitely not the case today. And wine, actually, apparently, the Nile civilization were some of the largest exporters of wine in the world. Something I want to highlight in this
0: conversation, which is how, like the impact of the capitalization of most natural resources, there's always this ripple effect, and like usually leads to extraction, Of land, thinking of white sage in the wellness industry becoming so popular that it's now endangered, or even Palo Santo. I know that in my research with Vietnamese coffee, I learned that the rise of popularity of coffee goes hand in hand with like deforestation and just negative impacts on the land that coffee is grown on in the central highlands in Vietnam, which also displaces the indigenous people there. I just think it's really important to like. As we're talking about coffee stories and tracing it to also understand the story that has. the the stories of the land and and the people of these lands and it reminds me of an invitation that Nora and I have extended in offerings of ours around coffee which is you know when you take a sip of coffee in the morning just take a moment to appreciate everything it has been through to get to your hands and the stories of those who grew it the stories of those who may have been displaced to grow it The you know we're talking about ritual and ceremony is a really beautiful opportunity to um, maybe create a, a ritual of just a acknowledgement and appreciation and gratitude.
2: Yes, Albert, I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm reminded of the question that also inspired that invitation. And that question was, how do you benefit from the systems you want to dismantle? Choosing to notice and be present with all the small ways on a day-to-day basis that so much of the harm and extraction in history still ripples, like Britt said, in our lives today. And just building awareness around that, I think, can be transformational for the ways that we invite more accountability to how we behave and be and, and move in the world. The coffee
1: is finally ready. As the cups are prepared, Ali begins to sing a traditional song. The song is a reminder that the coffee is served from the right to the left and it's time to begin. And as we each receive a cup, we take a sip. The coffee is delicious, and I have zero desire to break out my laptop or do some work. I simply want to be. This podcast is about magic. It is about... The interconnection that we see between the material world and the spiritual world, and, and so I'm curious about the practice of coffee reading and what what it's meant for either of you, what role it's it's played for for you individually or just generally and what you've seen.
2: You know, it's occurring to me. Five and nine is a podcast about work, magic, and economic justice. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about work and economic justice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, my, and now we're <laughs> we're hitting magic. Got to go to magic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. There are so many traditions around the world of reading like fortune telling or future telling through coffee. Or, and coffee has always had that, I guess, magic element to it in the context of five and nine. And I grew up surrounded by people reading. After the family lunch, my grandmother's sister would uh, flip uh, our coffees and like read the shapes that she sees. And there are people that also do it as work and make make a living out of reading coffee and what you and i shared anna and wadira was just for fun you know like reading out the shapes that i was seeing but i didn't know we read coffee or claim to to know much about coffee readings so it was just a fun exercise
1: which i which i enjoyed deeply because that was my first time <sighs> to, to have my coffee read and to just kind of sit and look um and see what it brings up to have a conversation, to me is, is part of the essence of magic. And so in that way, even as a fun practice or just something that we just engaged with out in the desert uh, was, to me, just, I don't know, deeply moving. It opened up pathways um, in my memories, in my way of thinking that I don't think would have been possible if we were just sitting and talking.
0: Yeah. Something I like to say about what practices like coffee reading or astrology or tarot that have some sort of mysticism around it is that sometimes the magic comes from these practices acting as a mirror uh, for us to look inside and see what it is we were always meant to see it's just that these practices or these materials have provided us a little bit of a boost and the magic is like already within you one of my favorite ways to frame I guess what we could call uh, wellness practices (laughs) for lack of a better term and we could go have a whole conversation about oh, that, yes. but I won't do that right now because that's not the point <laughs> it's of this episode. It's another episode, right there. <laughs> <laughs> hi
1: everyone. This is Anna. We have a special announcement to make. It's summer in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's really hot the world is heating up as our politics and our sense of crisis but summer is also a time for slowing down and reflecting five and nine is thrilled to partner with one of many studio to produce the embodied futures lab it's a special online experience that combines yin yoga sound meditation guided writing and intentional connection to create space for slowing down and reinvigorating the creativity and inspiration that fuels organizing justice and culture work the event is online, and it's coming up August 15, 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific, and 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. There's more information about this class in the show notes and thisis5and9.com. 5 and 9 is an independent podcast at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. The music was recorded live and performed by Hashim bin Moatik. Find us at thisis 5 and on Apple, Spotify, Google, and anywhere you listen to podcasts.